What time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? Thank you, Sean. 7 o'clock. So, welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. A special shout-out to our viewers in Atlanta. I'd name drop, but the, you know, the anonymous nature of our fellowship precludes that. Um, all of 2023, because of what happened in late 2022, we opened this session with a prayer. And we got a chaplain in the house who's going to help us out. Father, we thank you again for another opportunity to be in your presence. We thank you, Lord, for tonight and for those that are on their way. We thank you for those that are here, and we just believe, Lord, tonight is another great night that you're allowing yourself to show up strong. We know, God, tonight as we go into the third step, we ask you to help us to get out of our way. We ask you, Lord, that you will help us to turn over our will to you because you are the greatest power ever. So we thank you right now for everything you're doing. We thank you for what you're about to do. We thank you for using your manservant here tonight to speak with wisdom and knowledge and understanding, explaining, Lord, the power that he has received along the way and help it to be floating out into this atmosphere so everyone in this room experiences the same thing. We thank you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And let us all say amen. amen. Thank you. Thank you, Chap. As he announced, we're going to take a look at the instructions for step three. Is there anyone in the room that's never been here before? We've got a few of you. All right. All right. So first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance then that what we do here is a little different than perhaps other meetings of other fellowships you've attended. But what we do, we've been doing for lots of years. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work. So I'm not here to tell you what the book says because that's none of my business, what it says to you. But what I am here to do, because I am an expert in my own experience, I can claim that, right? All right. So... I'm going to show you how I find that experience in this book and align it with theirs, because if I align my experience to their witness, then according to their promise, rarely we've seen a person fail, it's thoroughly followed our path, uh, I should get a similar outcome, yes? Yep. All right, so we're going to be in step three, and that starts in chapter five. How many of you have been to an AA meeting before? Oh, a lot of you. That's good. That's a good start. So in most AA meetings I've ever been to, they read this little portion of chapter five, but I think a lot of people, if they haven't been through the step experience, don't internalize that they're really walking us through the first step experience, the second step experience, leading us to a third step decision. And there's a lot of information contained in that which we read that a lot of people haven't considered. So we're gonna unpack that as we roll through, if that's all right. So they start out with a promise and a condition. It says, rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. Do you see a promise? Yeah. What is it? Well, they didn't say that. <laughs> what they said is, rarely have we seen a person fail. Who's we? The first 100, and they're telling the story of the first several thousand men and women who have recovered. So they are speaking with authority. Does that make sense? And there are people that say work it if you work it. But you will notice in this book, they never tell you to work the steps. They don't even use the word work until they tell you to work with others. 
Here are the steps we took. Okay. Faith without works is dead. Okay. So it says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. You notice how this is the story of the first 100 and their story of the first several thousand, but they had one path? Think that's an accident? Interesting that they didn't say paths, isn't it? Hmm. Might want to take that into meditation. All right, so it says, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. Honest with themselves about what? And they've been fairly specific, right? That's contained in there, right? Um, let's, let's review just in case people have missed it. Not everyone's as, as well versed in it as you, Sean. <laughs> so let's, let's start on page XXVIII, Roman numeral 28, bottom of the page. Mm-hmm. Bottom of that page, it says, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Yes! (laughs) Any of you drinkers? Any of you sober? Oh, good, a high percentage of you. So, So you're sober and you're drinkers, you've been sober some period of time, but when we speak of men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced, we can, if we want to, bring to consciousness sitting here sober that effect. Can we not? Got to be honest with ourselves about that. They're going to tell us a little more. If we're sitting here many years sober or many months sober or many days sober or whatever it is, and I can still bring to consciousness the ease and comfort that sense that all of us drink essentially because that's what we like, then I'm going to need something to prevent me from returning to that regardless of how destructive it is proven to be. Yes? It says, um, the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. How many of you determined at times in your life, in your addiction, and maybe just before you let that grill out of the cage again, that you did not tell yourself the truth? Did you believe yourself when you lied to you? (laughs) To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. So you brought to consciousness the ease and comfort. You know it's out there. You know how to go get it. And you're willing away your desire for ease and comfort. Have you ever discovered yourself to be restless, irritable, and discontented without a particular reason? Yesterday. (laughs) So these are the things we've got to be honest with ourselves about. I don't live well abstinent. And one sign of abstinence is restlessness, irritability, and discontent. And it's never an outside thing. It's happening within me and then I'm targeting you as the source. But if that's true, I'm really in trouble. Or some circumstance. Does it make sense? All right. So let's now go to page 50. So we've determined that we may be this person for whom the drinking or the drug is not safe but I know I'm also an ease and comfort seeker, yes? Yes. All right, so that's what they were too, and here's what they discovered on the bottom of page 50. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They're talking about the first several thousand witnessed by the first 100, and they're saying these people were worldly, doctors, lawyers, business leaders. These were not ignorant people. They were people much like us. They'd done a little living, and they knew the difference between whatever they liked and whatever they didn't like and what they could do and what they couldn't do, those types of things, yes? Okay. It says, they flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, 
to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. So how many of you have found that you needed a revolutionary change in your way of living and thinking? That's what we're about, right? Okay. It says, in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowed in. They did not say dripped or trickled. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. What do you imagine those are? Yeah, we're, we're looking at the third step. That's actually a condition they spoke about in two. So we're about ready to make a decision to do the 12 steps, enter into this manner of living in its entirety. Does it make sense? So I don't know when your completion will come, but at some time tonight, you'll feel a flow of the Spirit because we're going to encounter this power they're talking about. And when you do, I'll know. I'll call it to your attention because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration. Right? So this power is going to be found where? We learned this last week. Where do we find this power? Deep down inside. And how do we find it? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. So it may not be as profound an experience tonight, but it'll be profound enough that you'll feel the tangible flow. And when you do, that will be the power you ask to help you go inward to find out what's blocking your consciousness of his presence on your life. Does it make sense? All right. So those are the two things we got to be honest about. I'm restless, irritable, and discontented unless I can find ease and comfort. And I've been looking in all the wrong places. Pretty much fit the rest of us? Yeah. Or am I the only guy here? Okay. All right. So this simple program requires this rigorous honesty about what's going on within me and a recognition that the main problem centers in the mind, the solutions found deep down within. So it's whatever's going on, it's never out there. Does it make sense? That's going to require discipline in the mind. Okay. All right. So says there are such unfortunates. How many of you have met those unfortunates incapable of being honest with themselves? How many of you at times have been those unfortunates? So we know there are. Okay. They're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So there's your hopeful statement. If you've tried in the past and it hasn't worked, that doesn't matter. This is a new deal. You'll be a new creation. You have to follow through with the manner of living. Right? Grasping and developing. If we believe we have a progressive illness and we believe that they have found a progressive recovery, then it would seem that we're going to grasp and develop. We're going to climb this mountain. The old timers told me, Joe, have you not learned that you cannot coast uphill? You've got to grasp and develop. That's why we talk about spiritual fitness later. Okay. All right. So. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So how many of you have been in our fellowship halls and have met those people with grave emotional and mental disorders? Yeah, to your point, how many of you discovered it's you? And we say that and we think we're joking, but no, none of us like to believe we belong in places we really didn't hope to belong. We first come to recovery. I don't want to be with people like that. How many of you made it to a public detox? I don't want to be with people like that. How many of you made it to prison? I don't want to be with people like that. I'm meaning it first. We're actually banking on the fact that you do want to be with people exactly like that, and you're going to encourage each other to go take over the world. Because you have been trained by the enemy to retake ground for the king. In case you have not been told. All right, so our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. Notice how they're very specific in their words. What we used to be like, the first 100, what happened, this encounter, and what we're like now. That ideal I set for myself when I did a four and a five and... 
I ask in prayer and six and seven take away, right? And all this stuff. And all of a sudden it's starting to happen. And I really don't notice it at first, but other people notice it about me. Have you had that happen to you? Go, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Have you had anyone tell you that? You say, well, I ain't doing nothing, but I appreciate you noticing. (laughs) Right? His power, his love, his way of life. Got it. All right. So then it says, if you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. Now, a lot of people want to just launch, but they gave us a condition. I want what they have and I'm willing to go to any length to get it. So it'd be nice to find out what they had, wouldn't it? Let's try 25. Is that right, Sean? Okay, let's go to the middle of page 25. The great fact is just this and nothing less that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences. When they talk about a deep and effective spiritual experience, they're talking about power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. Tangible power. How many of you are feeling that? Some of you are feeling it now. So that's happening in you. That's what we want to call to your attention. We're trying to wake that spirit up in you. All right? Which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. That's good. Who did that? Good way to go, man. When we say God, you say what? Power. Yell all the way to Atlanta. When we say God, you say what? Power. That's good. That's good. All right. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us, which we could never do by ourselves. How many of you are already finding that to be true? Any of you programming here at New Freedom? How many of you, how many of you sitting somewhere a few years ago were thinking everyone had forgotten you? My life's lost. Did it surprise you to know that the spirit was moving in people to prepare a place for you all those years ago? And now where are you? How many of you got your feet under you and are starting to feel the sweet smell of success? Absolutely. You know why? Because of who you are and whose you are. That's why. Okay. So it says that some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Why would they beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the start? Yeah, it's it's painful to watch people come hang out and not follow through on the manner of living and then reap the consequences of not following through on the decision and not even understand that that's what's up, right? My life does not get better until I start thinking of others. And then I've not only got to think of others, but I've got to put their needs in front of mine from time to time in order to make it work out, yeah? All right, so... so It says, some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. So where do our old ideas come from? Yeah, from the problem. The main problem center is in the mind. My mind is an old idea factory. They keep re-manifesting. How many of you have suffered from the same problem more than once? Entered into the same relationship, different person, same, same dynamic. Okay, so remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it's too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is? Look at this. They didn't even need a cue. They knew that. That one is God. How come we know that chant, but we're always looking outside of ourselves when we break into slumber? This is the grasping and developing part, right? All right, so may you find him now. They said that with an exclamation point. Why? It's a, sometimes I have to search fearlessly. I'm going to have to go inward. If I'm experiencing restlessness, irritability, and discontent, it's not because of what's going on out there. The storm is within me. Rearranging the scenery isn't going to change my upset. Okay. 
So half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Now talking about the second step experience, right? I can't, he can. Someone just pointed out to me, I know the tangible effects. Go ahead. I'm ready. Yes? Okay. Probably wasn't verbalized. How many of you realized you were struck sober and then you were like willing to do stuff you weren't willing to do prior? So something got done for you sometime before you actually embarked on the process, yes? Yeah, that's typically what we find. All right, so it says, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Here's the steps we took. Interesting how they put that in past tense. Okay, I'm not going to read the steps. I'm assuming you know them. I'm going to go to the next page, and it says, page 60, many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it. How many of you are looking at the steps on the wall? Pick some you could handle, and others you... I ain't telling that to nobody. I'm sure not paying that son of a bitch back. Okay, that's why we want to get the instructions and the experience because this, the steps are really not mutually exclusive. It's a, it's a revelation within you, so they're, they're, they're all inclusive rather than mere, mutually exclusive. There's no workbook for the steps, even though we've made them over the years trying to help. The reality is it's a revelation within you. So what we need you to do is just get into the manner of living, offer yourself in service, and all these things are going to come to pass. Does that make sense? All right, so so says, what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. You get what they're saying? The principles are contained in the steps. The principles are not the long list that Bill wrote later in the 12 and 12, no matter how many times we've taught that, because that book was written 15 years later. That, was, that book was designed to sell more books. Nothing wrong with that. But that's just the truth. So the principles are contained in the steps, and you'll, you're going to grow into that as you go. Does it make sense? So hopefully whoever's taking you through the steps tells you what the end looks like before you start, because you can't move into a conscious relationship without consciously deciding to do so. Okay, so, so no one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. So you might ask yourself, am I willing to grow along spiritual lines? Because if you're not, we need to go back, not forward. It makes sense? Because, again, we don't start until we want what they have and we're willing to go to any lengths to get it. They've already set it up for us. So... We, this is the, the first practices of being honest with myself. If I want to stay as I've always been, then that's perfectly okay. Maybe painful to watch, right? But we can't have your experience for you. Humans can learn from the experience of another, but we are extraordinarily reluctant to do so. The principles we've set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. That should give us all, thank God. Right? How many of you lived a life where you had to do it perfect and found it just impossible to exist? Any of you feel like you walked on a tightrope? Sure. Ain't nobody going to do it perfect. Life is messy. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. Remember, this is them talking about it. So if you don't agree, then we, we just need to review why. Does that make sense? Okay. That we were alcoholic. I have determined that when I put alcohol in my body, that sedative energizes me. And the effect of that is that I... I'm unable to stop putting it in my body, no matter the need or desire. And if I do manage the will to not do it, I am not enjoying the experience. I can control, not very well, or I can enjoy, but I cannot control and enjoy. Does that make sense? All right. 
and, this, and could not manage our own lives. What did they talk to us about the manageability of our lives? Want to look at that? Page 52. So it says, 52, we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. Anybody? How many of you had trouble with personal relationships, whether you were using or not? How many of you decided just to isolate away because people were the problem? How many of you still had trouble with personal relationships? And that proves to us the main problem centers in the mind, right? Because I can still think at them, the sons of bitches, all by myself. Okay. Couldn't control our emotional natures. Anybody? Did anyone ever tell you you were never designed to control your emotional nature? Sometimes we don't, especially men, we're told that it's just not appropriate to be emotional. And the only one that may be appropriate is rage and anger. But we were not designed as human beings to control our emotional nature. The reason I need to improve consciousness is I am not that emotion. I am the experiencer of that emotion in the spirit. And if I improve consciousness of the spirit in me, I can use that emotion as a tool to witness to you of the redemption that's been sent to you through me. Does that make sense? So it says, it says, we were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. Couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. All those true to some extent? Okay, that is the unmanageability I copped to in one. They revealed to me in two. Now we're owning it in preparation of our third step decision. Does that make sense? All right that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. We're on B. How many of you have concluded that probably no human power can do it? And some of you aren't there or you're just not participating. And I just want, want to make sure I understand what's happening here. There's no right or wrong answer. There's no penalty. Okay, and see that God couldn't would if he were sought. I like that you said that, that God could that power could and would if he were sought. And they've told us where and how we're going to find the power and what they tell us. Deep down inside, sometimes we have to search fearlessly. So it would make perfect sense that the thing I'm going to do immediately before I start on a searching and fearless moral inventory of me, because I need to find the calamities, pomps, and worships that have obscured my consciousness of the power and purpose within me, is I need to get some power to outgrow my fear to go in and find out the facts about me. Yeah. Make sense? Okay. All right. So then it says being convinced we were at step three. So being convinced of what? A, B, and C. Which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Power as we understood him. Now... Understand that it's them telling the story. This is not a God of your understanding. I would say this for my religious folks, and I say this for my atheists and agnostics. They did not say a God of your understanding. Some drunk said that. What they said was God as we understood him. And they told you how they understood him. Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction, flowing in. Clean wind of a mountaintop blowing through and through. That's what they knew. Tangible sensory experience empowering a walk in service. Yes? Much different than a doorknob or a light bulb or a group of drunks. Although I've been in a lot of groups of drunks that were pretty lit. Not the same experience. <laughs> All right. So it says, what do we mean by that and what do we do? What do we mean? I'm going to turn my thoughts and my breath over this power that animates me because I've done everything I could in my life and the only thing I managed was to get dead. Okay. So it says the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. 
So that's the first requirement. How many of you are convinced? Based on what? Based on your experience. And so I call your attention today. He said any life, not my life, not your life, any life. That's a requirement that I be convinced of that. Because otherwise I'm liable to fall into slumber and think that I'm the arbiter of your conduct. Any of you ever had that happen? On that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. How many of you have had that happen? Checked your motives. Somebody didn't appreciate your motives. Or they misunderstood your motives. It says each person, or most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person's like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. How many of you have thought that? Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest, and self-sacrificing. Thank you. Anybody besides John find yourself there? Modest, self-sacrificing, kind, generous. Yeah, please. I would encourage all of you to find yourself there. You may not be there as often as you'd like, but these are human traits. On the other hand, you may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. How many of you find yourself there? How, How many of you are more comfortable in one than the other? Okay, how many of you have found that it's sort of balanced? Like sometimes I'm kind and self-sacrificing and other times I'm a real prick. (laughs) Says, uh, but as with most humans, he's more likely to have varied traits. Yeah? Yeah. We're starting to own our human condition. They're not talking about alcoholics right now. They're talking about people. It's important that we understand that. Okay, so what usually happens? Some of you have been studying ahead. Yeah, the author said the show doesn't come off very well. You might find yourself in a reentry center on a Thursday night. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. And still the play does not suit him. You see when they talk about that, how they're telling you what, how that restlessness, irritability and discontent is manifesting. I'm out here. I got a storm within me. I'm out here trying to arrange shit. And it's just guys ain't doing it right. So admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he's sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? When they put a question mark in this book, they want you to go inward. Eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. So I need to get introspective in this moment. And what is my basic trouble? They've already told me. The power's found within. The last analysis, that's only there that he may be found. No amount of arranging out there is going to bring my peace back to me where I need it right inside me. Make sense? So now we're going to try and break this down. Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Question mark. How many of you have thought you did the ultimate act of selflessness and kindness? And then caught a selfie of you doing it. So perhaps there was just a little. How many of you were disappointed by someone's reception of your act of kindness? So there was an attachment. There was an expectation. Does that make sense? Not saying there's anything wrong with it, but attachments cause suffering. So it says, is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? Question mark. How many of you recognize that wrestling satisfaction and happiness is a delusion? 
How many of you understand the nature of delusion? Most of us through lived experience, right? So for those of you who don't know, delusion is I lie to me and I don't know I'm lying. The same way I kept using and telling everybody this is the way I want to use. The same way I was behaving badly toward people I cared about and said they deserved it. It's all delusion, right? It's mental illness. And I'm trying to wrestle satisfaction and happiness out of the world, and that's pure delusion. Because if I don't find that happiness within me, it will never be there wherever I go. Okay. So is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? So how many of you are out running around directing everybody, and they found out you weren't in charge? <laughs> in fact, maybe they thought they were in charge. You ever had that happen? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate? So now that's what's going on, because remember, we're talking about people now. So we got a whole bunch of us in delusion, and we don't know. Okay, and do not his actions make, make them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? How many of you have found when things really twisted off that oftentimes it was better to stand back and watch than to pipe in. Because the shit show doesn't require me. Because the world we live in is populated with people and we are producers of confusion rather than harmony. And it's because we're all trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. And you know why it's particularly difficult for a guy like me? I gotta square it all the way back. I'm playing the show that is my life. And the light pans to Joe. There you are, Joe, the star of your life. And I'm out there arranging the lights, the scenery, and the ballet. Show can't come off because I wasn't there to play my part. I wasn't there. I had unruly kids. Any parents here? Guess who wasn't there to parent? I was... I was an unruly kid, shitty parents. How many of you were a little difficult with your parents? You guys might fit in my club. So our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He's like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century Politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. The outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him and the alcoholic who's lost, lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. So they're asking that question of themselves and they're asking us to join them in their introspection. When I'm disturbed, am I really concerned for all those things I'm talking about, or am I concerned with their effect on me? We just need to know that. It's not about, the, the neat thing about this book is it's not designed to tell you how you should behave. It's designed to tell me how if I will behave, it won't bother me so much how you behave. So I never want to take my book any further than right here because it really doesn't matter how you do it. If I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, nothing you're doing or saying should affect me. And if you do, all you did was wake me up. Does it make sense? Okay. So then it says selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. So the beginning of my troubles is this limited perspective of self. It's not a good thing or a bad thing, it's just I come from this perspective. This is how I see the world. And no matter what else I do, unless I listen to you and see how you see the world, I'm never going to grow in perspective. Because I'm only going to see it from my one way. Does it make sense? And a lot of humans suffer from that. Like how many of you have figured out already by listening to me that you think you know what I believe? No one says a word. It's not a trick question. Well, I, wa I want everyone to consider that regardless of what you think about me, I suggest to you, you only know your thoughts about what you think you heard me say. And that's how you formed this, right? So we get in this thing where we think we know people, but our perspective didn't grow at all. 
Because all we hurt them with was our own judgments. And in the helping profession, that doesn't help, right? Okay. All right, so driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, and self-seeking, self-seeking and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So what I need to say in a room like this or any recovery room is what they're saying is their experience and they're not telling you that you weren't harmed by circumstances or people in your life. And they're not saying you have a part if you were abused as a child or as an adult even. They're not saying you have a part in the abuse. They are saying that what they found when they chased down the fear that drove it, like sometimes when I was abused, I did feel like I deserved it. I felt like I had to carry it for some higher purpose. And so I was afraid of whatever that might reveal to me. So then driven by this self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity, I stayed there in that unforgiveness instead of realizing that I live in a world of a lot of people who are asleep. And most of what they do when they step on me was a result of something that had happened to them before or just unconscious action. It had nothing to do with me personally at all. It damn sure didn't take my identity. See, the the thing you got to get before we're done tonight is you got to get to the point that you know who you are and whose you are. Because that's what's going to allow you to take those facts about yourself to the truth found within you and then walk out free a new creation. Right? Okay. All right, so so our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. So what they have just disclosed to us, if we are alcoholic, if we are an addict to the hopeless variety, is the world, people, are examples of self-will run riot. They're just regular examples of self-will run riot. Me, I have determined I am an alcoholic. I am an addict of the hopeless variety. Not only am I an extreme example of self-will run riot, but I don't think so. (laughs) Hence my delusion. Any of you relate? So above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. Notice how they, if I've concluded I'm that, it doesn't matter what the rest of you do. Remember, this is personal to me. I've got to be rid of this selfishness. Why? We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. Isn't that interesting how they infer that we're going to have a little work to do? Because they They didn't say God did it. Sometimes when we say the prayer, we assume God did it. How many of you have found that when you started serving others, you were able to walk through difficulties you feared walking through before? Did God make that possible? Did he reveal himself to you, through you in that walk? Did you come out the other end a better person than you set off? Was that your intent when you started walking? No, I just wanted to quit tearing shit up. Right? (laughs) Kind of cool, isn't it? And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. So they're leaving us a little gap. Maybe you can get entirely rid of self without his aid. But I think it's tricky. How many of you have concluded that as long as I'm aware of self, I'm not rid of self? So they're leaving us a little room for doubt because otherwise faith wouldn't be such a valuable commodity. But the reality is, there's no way to get entirely rid of self without his aid. I just may not be fully invested in faith in him yet, but the reality is, if I'm aware of self, there I are. How many of you have wondered if I'm going to benefit more than the person I'm helping when I offer help to them, how is that not selfish? How many of you have wondered that? Sometimes it is selfish, but there will be a time in your journey that you'll realize things are flowing out of you that are not of you, and you have no attachment to it. It's a fact. 
So what you got to do is grow in that because once you're aware, there you are. But when you're unaware of you and you're only aware of the flow and their needs, you will find you have access to power greater than you, including knowledge, power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. How many of you guys have been around a while and know exactly what I'm talking about? We know how to help. And we had no earthly way of knowing, didn't we? And sometimes we know that we can't offer help, but we can point them to the one who can. Okay. All right. So, so it says, uh, many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. How many of you had an idea how you should live and were better at applying it to others than yourself? Biblically, Paul said, oh, what a wretch am I. I do the things I hate, and I don't do the things I want. Any of you relate to that in addiction? You don't have to relate to Paul, but relate to that sentiment. Why did I do that again? Damn it. That's a painful cry from the Spirit, isn't it? Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. Now we're getting into the, I've got to, I've got to access this power. I've got to access this power, yeah? You feel their desperation? How many of you are feeling their desperation? How many of you went there? There you go. That revelatory experience isn't always, hee, whoopee. Sometimes it's, right? Okay, this is the how and the why of it. You want to know the how and the why of it? First of all, we had to quit playing God. That's the how. What's the why? It didn't work. Me trying to arrange the lights, the scenery, and the ballet, me thinking I'm the alpha and the omega, didn't work. It didn't matter how much I tried. Anyone there with them? Okay. Next, we decided that here and after, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. So the decision is, let the director direct. Stand firm and wait for my call. Don't go out arranging nothing. Okay? He's the principal, we're his agents. He's the father and we're his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. What concept? God's in charge. He's the director. I don't need to go arrange nothing. I need to just stand and wait for my cue. Where's my cue going to come from? Within, right? Okay. That's why we're going to improve consciousness. Because if I'm not walking consciously in the world, then I'm going to fall into slumber and I'm going to start thinking the things you say and do are causing my suffering. Make sense? Okay. So now they're going to give us some more promises. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. For those of you more biblically inclined, signs and wonders follow us. If you don't believe me, walk around here. Those, I, I, this is a miracle factory. And those, if you guys are watching online, you don't know these men and women. Most of them came here from a difficult start, but the captives are set free here. The new man and woman walks out of here empowered. They know who they are. They have an identity. They were a number, and now they got a name. And they walk out of here in it proudly. Yes? We had a new employer. Who's my new employer? Yeah, I got power for an employer. Being all-powerful... He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. So there's a condition. How do I keep close? I'm in the third step decision. I'm going to start moving through my step process, and I'm going to learn through prayer and meditation. I improve my conscious contact, my awareness of being aware. 
I'm going to find out that nothing so much ensures immunity from drinking as intensive work with others. I need to give freely what was freely given to me. I need to sit down one-on-one without judgment and at least show respect and attention to everybody who asks. Yes? And if I'll do those things, the power to live will flow into me, through me, and into them. And they may not realize it in the moment that power to live has been given to them, but I'll guarantee you I watch it here every day when people come here. Some of you guys have done a lot of time, and then you walk in here and you look around and go, holy fuck. (laughs) And somebody runs up to you and goes, welcome home! You go, what are they selling at this fucking place? (laughs) And pretty soon you run into Jesus and he breaks into song. It's the truth, right? Because it doesn't take very long to experience the atmospherics around here and come to life, does it? Okay. So in performing his work, well, it's just be a good Samaritan. Look to your brother's sister's needs and meet them, right? If you'll do those things, you will get well. You'll not only get well, but you'll get free. And you'll stay that way. All right. It says, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves. That's good, given that I just discovered that selfishness, self-centeredness was the root of my pro, driven by a hundred forms of fear. So our little plans and designs. How many of you have discovered that you're part of a bigger plan than you had originally thought? Every one of you that's here is part of a much bigger plan. I guarantee you are, you are history in the making if you're here right now. Bet on it. You are part of the biggest second chance movement in the world. And I know that without bragging because this is the biggest reentry center in the country. And we get letters every day from all over the country asking us, how do we get there Well, all you got to do is catch a beef over here in Arizona. (laughs) Then come on. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. How many of you already figured that out here? If you just start helping, you see the red lanyards, you see the blue lanyards that are in helping with the red lanyards because they want the red lanyard because it's not because it's a status symbol, but because it's a sign that you know that you're a servant in the order of the Son of Man. We hang those on you on purpose, those red lanyards. We have, I got black letters on here because I got a red shirt. But if you read the back of our cards, you'll see red letters, which are our core values. The first of which is the servant heart. Because the Son of Man came to serve rather than be served. So then it says, as we felt new power flow in. As we enjoyed peace of mind. How many of you have gotten little snippets of peace of mind? Maybe it's going to be okay. No, maybe not. Maybe it is. We're here to shore you up, right? As we discovered we could face life successfully. God, I hope you're having that experience, all of you, but especially here. Notice how no one will do anything for you, but they'll sit down with you while you do it. You think that's because we're silly? No, it's intentional. We want you to discover you can face life successfully. You know why we know? Because we do. We're here to show you. You guys started doing this on the inside where it was hard. You got free in there so you could live free out here. All this is is your resting place and your ramp up. Does it make sense? As we became conscious of his presence. Why do we do this every week in a church service every week? Because consciousness of presence isn't a concept. It's a sensory, tangible experience. When you walk in this building, how many of you have realized there's a feel to it? It's a tangible sensory experience. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's resident here. Doesn't matter what you believe. 
The fact that you're here tells me he believes in you. And I'm not going to doubt anything he told me is a fact. So you will walk out of here victorious. Might take time or two, but let's hope not. <laughs> we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We are reborn. So in order for a rebirth, what has to happen? I'm going to die to self so I can be reborn into life. Does that make sense? And then it says we were at step three. Didn't they say that like 35 minutes ago? <laughs> they, they know that people likely to read this book may suffer from a little attention deficit. <laughs> so they wing us through and then they bring us back. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, in italics, two reasons. I already told you the one. They're talking about them, not you. They've had a tangible experience. They know this power is going with them. They know it's real. There's a relevant manner of living that's been laid out before them in order to reveal the power to them through them. All of these things are there. And the God I understood then is not the God I understand today. Right? Because I've grown. And those of you in the Bible, you've received the mind of Christ. That's why, if you're, if you're getting your answers from within, that's why it's not your understanding, it's his understanding. How many of you have found you're more understanding than you thought you would ever be? It's because a power greater than you called understanding has invaded your spirit. All right, so they're going to say a prayer, I'm going to blow through it, and then we're going to read the instruction. Fair enough? Said, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. So two questions. How many of you speak in King James language? Just Sean. Oh, Brian. Good. I'm glad there's not a lot of you speaking King James language. So the next part is going to be for you because most of us don't speak in King James language and a lot of thys and things like that freak us out. And this is about a personal relationship with a power within you who already knows how you talk. So what I'm asking this power to do is relieve me of the bondage of self so I can better serve. Any of you realize that you've been in bondage to how you think about you or how you're afraid other people think about you and because you're afraid if I do this, someone will think less of me, I'm going to do this even though that's not what I want to do? Probably not. I want to also call to your attention you see no amen at that point. And a lot of people over the years have not bothered to tell anyone that. They just added one because they thought we ought to have an amen. If you're with Chap, he'll throw you one if you don't got one. But the reason... You never been to chap service? You don't say amen, he'll just keep repeating until you say amen. So he's got a pocket full of amens if you just can't get it. The reason they don't put it there, this is only half, right? God doesn't make too hard terms, so I'm just asking for power to go in, get my eyes open. Once I get my eyes open, now I'm going to need power to carry it out. And there'll be an amen at the end of that seventh step prayer. Okay, so it says, we thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready. We looked at last week what the readiness was, or did we look today, right? The absolute certainty, and I want that, I want that certainty, okay? That we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person, such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor. So you may want to do this with somebody, but... A caution, it's better to meet God. Power. Oh, you're sleeping. It's better to meet power. It's better to meet power alone than with one who might misunderstand. So just saying, don't yoke yourself to unbelievers. If they don't understand the gravity of the decision you're making, they're gonna dampen your effect. This is personal. You ever notice how when you got really serious about your drinking and drugging, it was better to do it alone than with someone who might misunderstand. 
If you took it down far enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> the wording was, of course, quite optional so long as we express the idea of voicing it without reservation. So there's where you're at. You don't need these and thous to talk to the power that animates you. You need to talk as you talk, right? And all you're asking for is to be relieved of these limiting thoughts that have kept you stuck in an identity that is not your own. Does that make sense? And you gotta voice it without reservation, which is why I encourage you to write your own because it will be impactful to you, and when you share it, it will be impactful to others because it means something to you. Does it make sense? It may just be a groan or a whatever, but this is about getting to know the power within you. This is about starting the basis of a personal relationship. You know you're asking for power to carry out this manner of living, to get armed with the facts, to take the facts to the truth to admit them to somebody else, to go out and admit all the harms I've done to all the others I've done harm to. It's going to take power. Then it says this was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. They're promising you an effect if you will take the time to speak honestly to the power within you Bill Wilson said that it felt like a clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. Others talked about the one guy last week we talked about, and he fell out of his bed to his knees, right? So what we're trying to get you to understand is there will be an effect that will be life-altering, and you will be empowered to do things that you have not been empowered to do prior in your life. And it's promised here, and next week we're going to launch. Thank you very much.